So the message today is the first of a series that Pastor D and I will kind of bounce back and forth on about the nature of God. And I will say this to you, and I believe it from the very bottom of my heart. What you believe about God is the most important thing in your life. Your, your thoughts about God, your view of God, how you understand God. That is the most important thing in your life. It's going to determine the relationship you have with God, and it's also going to determine how you live life. So how do you know your God? How well do you know Him? Oftentimes, I am concerned that we will experience something, and then we will go to the Bible, and we'll try to make sense of that situation in our life through the Bible, and actually I think we're supposed to do it the exact opposite way, which is we're supposed to make our experiences conform to the Word of God. Amen. We look into the Word and we see who God is, and then we expect the world to conform to who He says He is. Amen. Now I'll tell you this, if we're going to find out who God is, I believe our source is the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Because I think God knows who He is. And if there's anybody we should ask who God is, we should ask Him, God, who do you say you are? What, what do you say about yourself? And so today I want to talk about the, the generosity of God, but not just the generosity of God. Chris Bender was talking about the goodness of God uh, a week or so ago. And he moved from goodness, which didn't seem to be enough, to limitlessness. He said, God, it's limitless. And so I've moved the day from a message about generosity to God is lavishly generous. Did you know that? Amen. God is lavishly generous. And I didn't make that word up. It's actually in Scripture. So I'm going to point it out to you in Scripture where when He is described in Scripture, it's, it's lavish. But now, I don't know. Fellas, lavish is not a manly word, I don't think. <laughs> I didn't feel good about just saying lavish. It didn't sound good. But now, lavishly generous. Now, I can go with that. And so, so the message is lavishly generous. Now, here's how I want to set this thing up. Uh, way back around the first of the year, God really did something one day in my life. And I'm like, wow. And the generosity of God really sort of took shape. You ever had one of those aha moments? Yeah, I, I pray you've had one and that you'll have more. And if you haven't had one, you will. But I had an aha moment with God over this thing of generosity. So I want to share that. And then I want to take you to some scriptures so that you can settle this thing into the Word of God itself. That this is what the Bible says. And then maybe some reasons why the generosity of God gets held up in our life. The, the flow of that generosity gets blocked. And so I want to start with the story. And so... It was around the first of the year, and the worst thing God can do to a preacher is give them a, a, a preaching metaphor, a, a, a preaching uh, illustration, and then tell you you can't use it, right? Oh, that thing, it's like money. It'll burn a hole in your pocket. A pastor just can't have an illustration and not give it, and it was like God said, no, wait. I'm like, can I tell him now? No, wait. And so I finally get to tell this story, and it's, it's a little embarrassing, actually. All right, so it's, it's an embarrassing story for me, but I need to tell it because I believe it will help some of you. And so I was going through this day, and God was just being generous. Uh, he was being lavishly generous. 
And I want to share a, a few of those, and I can't spend much time on them. They're stories in themselves, but I, I just have to hit them fast. So I shared about one of the ministries of the church on a Sunday morning, Love and Action, and how Love and Action uh, takes donated furniture, lightly used furniture, and then it gives it back away to families who are part of DSS and, and even just people in the community when they, they need it. If we're able to fill that need, the, the folks have always had a heart to try to do that. And so I, I started talking about love and action during the service and about a, I don't know how, how long, a day or a week or so later, someone from the church came to me and said, uh, I need you to meet me over at my house. I pull into the house and there's this eight foot brand new black cargo trailer sitting in their driveway. And I thought, wow, that's pretty. I mean, it's one thing that was shiny, you know, and I thought, that's pretty. And, and so I knock on the door, and the person says, I, I need you to come outside with me. We go outside to this trailer. He said, can the church use this trailer? I said, yeah, we'd love to. I said, Leslie uh, Brayfield and Angel Gerbers have been praying for a trailer just like this. I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. And he says, I've decided I want to give this to the church, but I want to do it anonymously. So if you can use it, I'll give it to you. I'm like, what? <laughs> that thing about burned a hole in my pocket until I, I, I could tell people that we had one. You know, and, and I knew that, that they had been praying. And so I'm like, wow. And so then the day rolls on and Jonathan Brunette comes in and some of these guys that have skills, electricians, Scott Gerber is another one. If we need help, they, they come and help. And so the water fountain had gone out. I don't know if y'all knew that earlier in the year. The water fountain had gone out. A water fountain cost what a refrigerator would cost. Would you, I mean, they're like $750 for a water fountain. So we're sitting there thinking, hmm, what do we do? Or we're like, okay, God is good. You know, we don't need to be cheap. Somehow, you know, we need to get us a water fountain. Don't need to leave that one broken. And so Jonathan comes over and he says, hey, I've done a little research. Turns out... These water fountains are hard on ground fault receptacles. He said, I'm going to check the receptacle and see if it's bad. Checks the receptacle, and a few dollar receptacle is what's the problem. He's got one, I think, in his truck. Fixes it, and we're back in business. I'm like, huh. I'm like, man, we went from $750 to like a handful of dollars, and I think Jonathan paid for that out of his pocket. And I'm like, and put it in. I'm like, that's good. So I'm excited, you know, and. Uh, move on through, and I've got a tough meeting that afternoon. I'm supposed to go over to the radio station. We had worked on the budget for the year, and we had decided that rather than put money into radio, what we were doing is we were going to put more money into Facebook Live. So I, I had to tell the radio, but I, I really didn't want to do it because I'm not good at those kind of things. So I go over to tell them that we're not going to invest in, in radio, and so I'm talking to the owner, Miss uh, Toronto Banks, precious woman, her husband, the same believers, and she says, can you hold on a moment? She walks outside, and I'm like, oh, no, is this bad or good? I don't know, And she, but she walks outside, and then she comes back in, and she says, I just spoke with my husband on the phone. She said, we're going to go ahead and continue to run the messages for six more months without cost. She said, we just love the messages that are coming out of Ember, and we want them to be heard. Yeah? I'm like, wow. And, and so then, I'm, I'm riding high. Can you, you know? I, I mean, God has not been, God could have stopped two times back and I'd have been good and said he was good that day. But now he's being lavishly good. 
And, and so then we're working on trying to demolish a, a house in the East Chester neighborhood where we work. And the house burned about three years ago. The owner couldn't afford to have the house demolished, and it was creating some real problems for the, the neighborhood and for him. So we were working on this project, and it cost about five to $8,000 to demo a house. And he simply did not have that kind of money to be able to do it. And so we were talking about that one day with one of the guys in the church. His name's Jeremy. He's not here today. Jeremy Shrewsbury, he's a quiet guy. You've probably never heard him speak. His wife has only heard him speak six times. <laughs> They've been married seven years. <laughs> Jeremy's good with his hands. And he said, you know, I could, I could demo that house. He said, uh, I can run the equipment. He said, if we can get a piece of equipment, I'll, I'll just donate the, the labor. I'm like, oh, we're on to something now. Let's, let's see what we can do. So Leslie was over next door working on a project for I-58. Starts talking about it. The guy who's working over there, Chris Kentrell, was cutting some trees. He said, well, can y'all use my skid steer? He said, it's going to be sitting here in the yard. He said, I'll give you the keys and you can just use it. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Now we got a worker and we got one piece of equipment. And, and then some folks donated some money again, anonymously said, hey, if I can help, gave some money to the cause. All of a sudden, this thing that was going to cost five to $8,000, it got demoed. And it didn't cost the owner a penny. Yeah. Now, now all of this was coming together in one day, okay? In one day. Now let me back you up. So Kevin goes to lunch that day. In the midst of all this stuff's going on, Kevin goes to lunch and he goes up to the counter to pay. And it's one of those restaurants where they've got the, the, the jar there for the tip. And, and so I go up and I pay and I'm looking at how much to, to tip. Now, some of y'all know when it comes to tipping Christians, honestly, I don't need to get off track. But but here's my thought on this, y'all. We're going to get out of here and a lot of y'all are going to go and eat lunch somewhere. And the testimony to that waiter or waitress today needs to be that you came and served and worshiped a good and generous God. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So don't be stingy. Amen. Okay? Christians are stingy. Ask any waiter or waitress. They'll tell you that Christians are the most stingy people in the world. It's something about they think, well, God said He only wanted 10, so everybody else should get something less. Quit using Scripture. You're just tight. You're just, you're just being tight. Give a better message today, okay? Alright? Now, but I'm living my message. So... So I'm up here, and, and I'm going to be generous, because that's, that's my heart, and I think my wife would confirm that I, I try to be generous in those things. But you know how you got some, some bills in your wallet, you're trying to figure out which one you're supposed to do? And, and so I'm weighing that thing. Do I give them this, or do I give them that? Do you know, though, Jaquetta, I gave the lesser? I told you. I, I told you it was going to make me look bad. I did. All this good stuff is going on. And I gave the lesser of what I was debating. I put my, my wallet in my pocket and I went on. God continued to be good that whole day. I had some shoes that I had in the, uh, the shoe shop. The ones I'm wearing today. <laughs> Scuffed up, messed up, way beyond what I could do. I said, I'm going to take it to the shoe shop let them pick it. Took it to the shoe shop, went and picked them up that afternoon. Had them ready for me in a nice bag. They looked great. He said, that'll be $7. 
I said, that's cheap. Isn't it? Yeah. On $7, I'm like, man, that is a great price. Reaching my wallet. I got a $10 bill. I hand him the $10 bill. I hear something say, give him the rest. You know what I did? I said, is that God? <laughs> Quit being so self-righteous. <sighs> that guy, I knew it wasn't the devil. So, but it, man, he swung around to that cash register so fast and he handed me back those three dollars that I was still contemplating it in my mind. And I'm like, hmm, what did, what, what, what did, I took my three dollars, I put it in my pocket. And I'm walking out. And you know where Ball Shoe Shop is. I'm parked on the other side over there in the park. I, I, it's been arranged that way for God to give me time to think. That's why the parking lot is where it's at. On my way, I'm sitting there. Go, I got this sinking feeling in my heart. I go, mm, God's been generous all day. And I'm worried about $3. So I go get in my car. And I just sit there because I can't move. Because now God has said in a very subtle way, Kevin, I'd like to have a discussion about my generosity. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there. And I'm thinking about the generosity of God. I journal. Whenever God gives me these things, I don't want to miss them. And so whenever he has an appointment, and that day he called me into his office <laughs> in my car. And I wrote this down after I got home, and I just want to read it to you because I think that's better. This part is better to read it than to tell it. And here's what I wrote when I got home. It was at that moment that God was generous again, and he revealed his heart and his mind. God is generous because that is who he is. It's in his nature to be generous. He's going to be generous regardless my lack of generosity would not change who God was. But my lack of generosity can create a closed fist and a closed wallet and a closed life that blocks the flow of God's generosity. God taught me in an instant that I cannot manipulate the generosity of God by my own generosity, but I can hinder the generosity of God by my own selfishness. Ultimately, I believe the generosity of God is to produce such faith and joy and love in our life that we respond to others in generosity because we know that all that we have comes from a never-ending, flowing, generous God. Amen. Generosity can only flow from an open and a willing heart that is assured that their Father God is always pouring down generosity to the just and the unjust. Let the river flow, Kevin. Don't be a cheapskate. <laughs> I went back into the shop and I gave the owner the change and I said, God reminded me of what a good job you did and I wanted to let you know and say thank you. 
Yeah, I, I hope you're clapping for God. Please don't clap for me. Mm. So I want to draw your attention then to some scripture. And I didn't want to pick just one portion of Scripture because I was afraid that if I just picked one portion and just exegeted that one portion of Scripture, you think, I don't know. What I need you to see today is that the Scripture is full of God showing Himself as generous. It is full of that. And so rather than pick just one, I wanted to give you many because one may not speak to your life, but another will based on where you're at today. And so I've picked some. Now, here's what we're going to do. We have them up on the screen because I'm going to move fairly quickly. If you want them to take home with you, we have put them on the front page of our website. That's how important this is to me. Emberchurch.com. They're on the front page. You can download those and tuck them away and meditate on these if you like. I didn't want you to just leave and not have them. Now, I've got to move fairly quickly from them. Here's your assignment. You have an assignment. Say, I have an assignment. assignment. Your assignment is to notice both the gift and the measure in which it's given. Is that clear? Notice the gift and the measure that it's given. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace which He lavished on us. What's the gift? What's the gift? Redemption and forgiveness. Redemption is when you've been bought back. That means that you were a slave to sin. But God is so lavishly generous that He bought you back. How? Not with money, with precious blood. So that you wouldn't have to be a slave to sin. So that you could be free from sin. Ooh, that's lavish. And so then the question is, if I sin, what is God going to do? Well, He begins to pour out His lavish forgiveness on you. His forgiveness is lavish. It's not stingy. And it says that it's given according to the riches of His grace and it's lavished on us. If you don't have this word, it's called superabounding grace. That is when you sin, you wonder, oh my goodness, what will happen next? Can I tell you what will happen? If you let it, superabounding grace will step in and will not only forgive you of the sin, but will help you to no longer live in it. Grace is superabounding. Let's keep moving. Romans 5, 5. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts. After this last series, that should mean something to you, right? What's the gift? Love. We had a whole series on it. What does He do? How does He give it? What measure? He pours it out on us. The love of God is poured out on us. Some of us are starved for love. And there's really no good reason. Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts. Ephesians 2, 7. So that in the ages to come, He might show the surpassing richness of His grace and kindness toward us. In Christ Jesus. What's the gift? Kindness. How is it poured out? What measure? It's the surpassing richness. It's like grace is raining over you. And it's raining down what? Kindness and love and forgiveness and more that we haven't even talked about yet. It's Lord knows it's rained a lot around here, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. We, it's been lavishly raining. 
lavishly raining. I believe God is trying to tell you, I'm lavishly trying to pour out my grace and my kindness on you. It's just like the rain you've been having. Almost more than you can stand. i got to keep going. Any of you have any problems, any situations, anything you got to figure out, you got to sort out, listen to this. James 1.5 But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all generous, generously and without reproach, and it will be given to you. He says, ask me. You don't understand? Ask me. You don't know the way? Ask me. I, I, won't, I won't give it with reproach. It means He's not going to condemn you for it. He's not going to look at you and go, really? Again, you don't know. You don't know. After all this time, you don't know. No, it's without reproach. He says, you just ask me and I'll give it to you. Next one. Acts 2, 17 and 18. By the way, when Pentecost came, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the earth. Now listen to this verse. And it shall be in the last days, God says. These are the last days. There are no last latter days. This is the last day. That I will pour forth of my Spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my Spirit and they shall prophesy. Yeah, I think there are some of you that you are hungry. You longing for visions had the opportunity to, to pray for somebody this week. They said, I want vision for the future. I want business for my, my business. And we got to pray, Lord, Your Spirit has been poured out. We can have vision. We can dream dreams. And I'm not talking about nightmares. Mm. No. Dream dreams. See visions. Prophesy about things that are come. Why? Because God's poured out His Spirit. Yeah, is anybody hungry for that? Yeah, real quick, for anybody that wants that, I pray right now that you realize the Spirit of God has been poured out on the earth. And that if you want vision, you can have it. And if you want to dream dreams, you can dream them. And if you want to prophesy, you can prophesy. Because the Spirit of God has been poured out. Yeah, amen. Let's keep going. We ain't done. 2 Corinthians 1.5. Any of you going through anything? Got some suffering? Anybody ever had to suffer? Ah, it happens. It happens. What does God have to say about it? 2 Corinthians 1.5 For just as the suffering of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. You're, you're looking at that going, is that good news? I'm not sure. Because it said there would be suffering in abundance. Let me tell you, the world is broken. They're suffering. Okay? The world's broken. And there are broken people. And broken people are particularly good about making other people around them suffer. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah. So there is suffering. And if you stand up for Christ, there will come a time where you'll have to suffer. I, I don't need to withhold that from you because you need to step into this thing with wide eyes, eyed open, and know what you're getting into. If you name the name of Jesus, there'll come a day you might have to suffer. But here's what it says. If your suffering is in abundance, so is my comfort. You see, we've been praying, God, take all the uncomfortable situations away. And he said, no, wrong prayer. I told you I'd send you a comforter. You see, you can't control what's going on outside of you. That's why you're so frustrated. Because you can't control that. 
He said, but I'll control the controllables. You know what that is? That I've got my Holy Spirit inside of you. That every time you suffer, I'll pour out comfort. Do you hear me? Did you hear that? Every time you have to go through a suffering, God says, because I gave you my Holy Spirit, every time I'm pouring out comfort where there's suffering. Oh, and by the way, if grace is superabounding, so is comfort. Yeah, internally, I'm fixed. I'm stable. Let's keep going. This is good, ain't it? Huh? I thought so too. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man. Yeah, you don't want to be strong in your own might. You, you, don't, you don't want to be that kind of strong. You don't want to be only as strong as you can lift, as strong as you can think. You want to be as strong as the Spirit of God. You want the power of God. And he says it is the power of God that he is giving according to his riches. Mm. In case you thought anything was left out, look at this, this one. Philippians 4.19 And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches which are in Christ Jesus. Notice what he said. He's not going to supply your needs according to your riches. Nah. He said, I want to supply them according to my riches. Yeah. In fact, 2 Peter 1.3 says that he's actually already granted everything you need. It's already there. You just simply have to find and see the abundance of God. Now, this last one. This is the, this is the closer in terms of Scripture before we get to what blocks the generosity of God. 1 Corinthians 2.9. You ready to get your socks blown off? You didn't know Scripture would blow your socks off, did you? The Scripture's powerful. And if you'll let it, this one will blow your socks off. Listen to what it says. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen, and ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love Him. Mm. Man. In case you weren't following what he just said. He said, he wants to show you things that you've never seen before. That, that he wants to say to you things that nobody's ever heard before. That he wants to show you things. It hadn't even been in anybody's heart yet. Oh, please tell me you got that. Huh? You know, Scripture talks about a peace that surpasses all understanding. And I've taught you guys that if you want a peace that passes all understanding, quit trying to understand it. Yeah. That if all you can do is understand that kind of peace, you didn't get enough. It was supposed to surpass your ability to understand it. Yeah? Now watch this. He says, you haven't even seen what I want to do yet. You, you, ha you don't even have it. Nobody's even heard it yet. Like, it's not even been in anybody's heart yet. I've been saving it just for you. Yeah? Yeah, so can I tell you something? Quit looking around at what everybody else is doing to find out what you're supposed to do. Yeah? 
Yeah, you ain't seen what God wants to do in you. Quit looking at somebody. That's what he wants to do in them. That is not what he wants to do in you. Nobody's seen that yet. Quit, quit looking for somebody to tell you that what you're doing is okay. I think that's a good idea, Kevin. I think you should do it. Nobody's heard it yet. You're the only one that has ears for it. Nobody else can hear it because it's what God wants to do in you. And, and then the one that gets me super excited is it hadn't even been in your heart yet. It's like, you didn't even have a heart for it. I've been just getting your heart right so that you can receive what I want to do. That is not a stingy God. That is not a stingy God. You should say, that's not a stingy God. That is not a stingy God. Yeah, if, if you serve the God that I know, He's not stingy. And, and, and what I've read to you is the kind of God that He is. But I can't leave it there because some of you say, well, Kevin, that's not my experience. <laughs> I, I haven't experienced lavish generosity. I've experienced want and lack and not enough. I haven't experienced it. And I want to deal with that before, before we leave today. And so there are some things that as I was in my car that God called me into my car for a time with Him and said... Kevin, we need to talk. And I need to explain. It's time for me to explain some things to you. Here were some things that came through my mind that block us from the generosity of God. And by the way, y'all know I'm not talking about just money, right? Yeah. Right? right. You, you'll be limiting the generosity of God if you just apply this to money. Yeah, you know, one Sunday I talked about how you use your gifts and your talents for, for God. And I just happened to use the word electrician. And it turned out that Scott Gerber, Scott, I used the, the uh, electrician. I said, you know, you can be an electrician and you can give your skills. It was like a week later, Scott came up to me and he said, hey, guess what? I'm an electrician. I said, no kidding. He said, yeah. He said, if you got anything that you need me to do for the, the church, let me know. He said, I, I'd be glad to do it. Now, some people promise you stuff and they ain't good for it. Let's just be honest. Right? Some people promise something and they ain't good. They're not good for it. Something came up and I called Scott and he said, I get off work at, I think it's like 3.30, 4.30, something like that. He said, I'll meet you over there. So I want you to know that this thing moves beyond just money. That, that it's generosity in terms of skills. It's being an electrician and knowing that I can use that thing for God. That God will bless that and use it in a powerful way. Um, that it's, it's the experiences that you've had in life. Oh my goodness, don't be stingy with your experiences. Amen. There is no reason for all of us to keep making mistakes if you can make them and tell us ahead of time. <laughs> Wouldn't you agree? Now we try to tell that to our kids and they won't listen, will they? We try, to have, we try to have that conversation with our kids. Listen, I don't want you to have to go through this. If you will just learn from my experience, I'll give you the generosity of my experiences, my bad choices. And they go, nah. <laughs> but I'm like, no, please share your experiences. There's no need for all of us to walk through it. Yeah. Your experiences, your, your knowledge, being, being generous with your encouragement, with honoring uh, people around you. But what is it that stops this generosity? 
One is a closed fist. A closed fist. Because you see, if what I have in my hand represents to me all that I have, then I will hold on to it and I won't give it away. And so God looks at me and says, well, apparently you're good with what you have. Come on, Kev. I would love to give you more, but you won't let go of the little bit that I gave you. So I can't give you anything. You, you got to open yeah. your hand. Yeah. You see, the problem that day with me is when I went up to tip and when I went to the shoe shop is I looked into my wallet and I thought that the source of my generosity came from my cash for that week. Can I tell you that the generosity that's supposed to flow from your life doesn't find its source in your wallet? Amen. Yeah. It sources in God. But you see, I got a little sidetracked because, you know, Brantley and I get our money out for the week. Do any of y'all do that? You get your, y'all don't do that? Oh, y'all so over budget. You got to get your money out for the week. So we get our little spending money out for the week. And, you know, you got to kind of make that thing last, right? You know, and so I have my money out for the week. And I'm thinking that my source is from in here. And, and, and so all I could see was what I had in my pocket. You see, if you're closed fist, if you're, if you're selfish, if there's a spirit of fear or lack, then what we think we're doing is protecting that little bit that we have. And what God is saying is, if you could just kind of let go a little bit, I would actually be generous. Amen. But That's you won't good. receive. Because you're being stingy. Now, now I'll say this. There are people that they try to manipulate God too. <laughs> they, they'll try to do something for God because they think if they do something for God, He'll do something for them. Come on, Kev, teach it. Anybody ever, you ever thought that? It went through my mind while I was walking to the car. I said, God has been so good. I have just two times now been kind of stingy I wonder if that'll stop God. You ever thought of that? If I'm stingy, will that stop God? You know what I discovered that day? God told me, he said, Kevin, I'm generous whether you are or not. Can I tell you that? God is generous whether you are or not. He's going to keep being generous. You know why? Because that's who he is. He, he can't be anything else. We don't have to bait God into being generous to us. You, I know some of you, it, when the offering plate went around, it might have hurt you today because you were sitting there doing the same thing, right? You know, and, and, I, and you don't have to, to give in order to get from God. If you did that, come and talk to me after the service and I'll give you your money back. No, really, I will. I'll, I know the treasurer. He's sitting right down here. I'll, I'll give you. He said, don't do it. Don't do it. I'll do it. If that's why you did it, you're not going to get anything out of it. That's why you're frustrated at God. Because you're trying to move Him. He doesn't need to be moved. He's going to be generous regardless. You don't have to pride Him, get Him to move, try to make Him be generous. That's who He is. A closed fist. Misinformation. 
You're just simply not informed about the generosity of God. You didn't know He was that good. You've lived in an environment that was so full of poverty, so full of lack, that at some point you just lose hope in that situation, right? I think it's one of the most devastating things about poverty is not the lack of money, it's the lack of hope. When, when you just have lost hope. And that's why as Christians, we are supposed to go to those who are less fortunate and those who are in need and say, we're going to look around because the generosity of God is somewhere. He's going to do something and He will move on our behalf. But most people can't even move because they simply don't know who He is. So if you don't know that He's good, I hope today you will. And if you run into anybody that starts sounding like God is stingy, you'll be able to tell him, oh no, he's good. He's, he's lavishly generous. Sin will block the flow of God because God is funding and flowing through all things that are good. And sin is not. So if I am in this, God looks at me and says, I love you too much. I can't help you do sin. Some of you thought He was abandoning you. He wasn't abandoning you. What He's saying is, Kevin, I can't bless sin. I'm not going to help you sin. But now if you want to step into the kingdom and you want to flow in that, Kevin, i got a cattle on a thousand hill. I'll help that. I'll move in that. That's why we wonder if God is selfish when what we're doing is sin. It's because He says, I love you too much. I can't help you do that. But I'll help you do something else. And then... God won't let you settle for less than the best. Can I draw you back to a story real quick? The story of the prodigal? I preached on that not too long ago. It's online if you want to go back and follow that story. The prodigal has blown his father's money. He's down to nothing. He decides to come home. And in going home, he says, I'm going to go be a servant. That's all he can think of. You see, poverty is set in, and now he doesn't have a hope for anything better. So he's going back to be a servant. When he gets there, his father says, No, you're not going to be a servant. You're going to be a son. Because that's who I've made you to be. And he goes, and I told you that day that he gave, you a, he gave the son a robe. It didn't say he went and brought the son a robe. It said he brought him the best robe. Let that sink in. He didn't just bring him a robe. He brought him the best robe. There are times in your life you're mad at God because He ain't doing what you want Him to do. And it's because He says, no, I don't want you to live this way. I don't want you to settle. I have something best. I'm going to get the best robe. Hold on, I'll be back. Do you see that? Yeah, I think all of us ought to look at that sometimes and ask ourselves, have we settled for less? Because we only wanted what we could see or what we've heard or what's been in our heart or somebody else's heart before. And he says, you know what? I love you too much for that. Oh, wouldn't that be something if God looked at you and said, no, child, I might would let somebody else do that. Because sometimes God let you have something that you really didn't need, right? There was a better plan, but he let you have it anyway. Oh, what if God loves you so much? And he says, mm-mm can't let you settle this time. I can't let you settle. I love you too much. I'm only going to let you wear the best robe. Sometimes we settle and, and it stifles the generosity of God. And then this one. Timing. 
It's about God and timing, isn't it? It's about God lining things up and then us waiting for those things to come into where they are in alignment. And I am sure, and I'm not going to spend much time on this because none of you are impatient. I mean, I can look out across the room. Hold on, let me just look one more time. No, <laughs> none of you are impatient. How many times, I wonder, have we messed up the generosity of God because we looked at God and said, you know what, if you ain't going to move, I will. And we moved. And we did something. And we moved in our power. And God said, ooh, if you'd have just waited... You were so, look what I had. If you had just waited, I, would, I had this coming. So just in case, a closed fist hinders. Being misinformed, a, a lack of knowledge about what, is, what God wants to do, who He is. Sin, God saying, I, I can't bless that. When we want to settle, and God says, no, I can't let you. And timing, when God says, hold on, I'm coming. Hold on. So I want to ask you to do this. I want you to, to stand with me, can you? We're going to close this way. And then I want to have some people that will come down. If, if you feel like you've, you've really missed out on the generosity of God, I, I want some folks down here that can just minister. And after the service, you come down here. By the way, if you have not received salvation Ooh, that's lavish generosity from God. It is the starting point of all things. If any of you have been holding out, any of you have been thinking that you could wait on that, I would ask that you would come down today, give your life to the Lord, allow Him to pour out its lavish salvation on you to begin this process. If you want ministry and you say, man, it just doesn't, that's not been my experience. Something's got to change. And, We'll have people down here to pray. But here's, here's my prayer for you today. If this starts to sound like you, then, then you just hold your hands out like you're receiving something today. What we're going for today is a spiritual. If you see it different, you'll act different. If you see it different, you'll act different. So Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for everyone in the sound of my voice. For those that are on Facebook that are watching now or watching the weeks to come. Lord, I'm praying that verse from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. That, Lord, you would give the people who are listening, pour out your goodness in a way that they haven't even seen it like this before. That they, they haven't even heard what you're getting ready to do. That it hadn't even been in their heart to imagine you to be the way that you are. That, God, you would pour that out. I pray for, for vision. I pray for, for dreams. I pray for revelation of who you are. Lord, I pray right now for protection because the enemy's trying to steal this from somebody. They'll, they'll walk out of here and the enemy is going to try to steal this and say that it's not so, that it's not for them. And I pray for a protection over them, over their mind, over the people they talk to, over the things that they hear. That Lord, we're not going to try to conform your word to our experience, but our experience to your word. Father, Your Word says that You are lavishly generous. Father, I pray that our world begins to come in line to conform 
to your image. Let it be, Father, in the name of Jesus. And then just one more time, can I say, Lord, that today you'd open up our eyes to see things we have never seen before. Hear things we have never heard before. Plant things in our hearts that we never even knew were there. I pray you do it in Jesus' name because, God, we declare it. We declare it that you are generous that you are lavishly generous, that you have lavished on us all these things. And we want to say thank you, God. We want to say thank you that generosity is in your nature. And we love who you are. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.